0: Hi, I'm Darren Pepperd. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Welcome into Leaning into Leadership. This is episode number 60. And on the show today, my guest is Brian Miller. Brian is the proud principal of Chief Joseph Elementary in Montana. Brian's a husband, a father of five. He's a reader, writer, blogger, public speaker, and podcaster, and a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings. I reached out to Brian not long ago after reading a post that he had shared about principal evaluation and how it should really be much more of a 360-degree process. Now, reaching out to Brian and saying, hey, let's get on the podcast and talk about that led to an incredible conversation around school culture, around putting our teachers in position to feel where they can take risk, where they don't fear repercussions, and they do what's best for kids. It's a fantastic conversation, and it is yours right on the other side of this. Hey, leaders, let's talk about school culture and professional development. What if we stop telling teachers what to do and instead invite them to sit side by side with us to solve the challenges we're all faced with? I'm talking about difficult parents, I'm talking about blame, outside pressures, and disengaged learners. School culture is critical, and I've got the formula to help you build the culture where everyone feels seen heard, valued, and trusted. No more boring PD. Let's have PD that inspires and empowers our staff and gets everyone working together toward a common mission. I look at what we do here at Road to Awesome as human development because this type of work, this type of learning, hey, it goes beyond the classroom. It goes beyond the parking lot, beyond the bus and the lunch line. This carries into your community. I was in a school district recently and after the work was complete for the day, one of the district employees pulled me aside and said, Darren, we have to have you back again. This work is every bit as important as working on instructional strategies or diving into our data. We cannot forget the human side of our work and that's what you brought today. Thank you. Hey, reach out to me today and let's schedule a conversation for you to share your triumphs and your challenges. Hey, we're all in the people business. And here at Road to Awesome, we want to help you get the most out of your people. Email me at darren at roadtoawesome.net or go to to roadtoawesome.net and hit the contact us button. And now on with today's episode. All right, Brian, welcome into the Leaning into Leadership podcast. Man, I've been looking forward to this conversation. It's really great to finally get a chance to meet you. So welcome into the show, man.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I am so thrilled to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So Brian, before we dive into our conversation, I know I know we want to talk about some things related to principal evaluation. Um, I'm really interested in getting into some conversation around kind of the well-rounded career you've had. Everything from mm-hmm. you know from working at the high school and, and middle school level to now you know principal in elementary, your work overseas, all of that stuff. But before we go there, just for my listeners who maybe don't know who you are, just give them the real quick elevator version. Who is Brian T. Miller? Sure.
1: Uh, yeah, Brian Miller uh, grew up in the suburbs of Southside, Chicago. Um, never really wanted to be an educator, but found myself about two or three years after university or after high school uh, with my then newly wife hanging out uh, just kind of in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, uh, a conversation that I had with my senior year English teacher sparked suddenly and uh, kind of wanted to walk into education at that moment. So uh, became a high school English teacher, was doing that for a number of years in Gillette, Wyoming. And then... Um, go, Pokes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then, But to get my master, So I was in a unique program in Philadelphia, um, where you got your master's and your bachelor's in a five-year program. Uh, and to get my master's degree, I had to do some overseas teaching. And I taught overseas for um, a quarter in China. And then came back to the States, moved to Wyoming, was there for a couple of years in Gillette teaching middle school English and was kind of ready to set some roots, but then we got called back to China. They asked us if we can come back. So we went to Chengdu, Central China for five years, um, and it was a fantastic experience. And that's where I kind of um, dipped my toes into leadership in my last couple of years there. Came back to the States, and uh, was a high school English teacher in Gillette for a while, then three years in small town Montana, was a secondary principal. And the last two years, I've been in Great Falls, Montana, at Chief Joseph Elementary School, go Eagles!
0: <laughs> nice, love it, love it. It's just there, there's a lot in there to to unpack, and uh, you know you're you're certainly somebody who has has been very well traveled, and definitely brings a lot of different diverse experiences mm. to to the work that you do. Let's 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 go a little bit um, with with your time in China. Tell me, tell me what that was like. I mean, even even having been, you know, the different experiences. You know, Chicago, um, you know, Philadelphia, Gillette, Wyoming, very, very different places. Um, but, but what was it like being in China and being an educator uh, in China, especially as an American?
1: Yeah, uh, I will say it was one of the greatest experiences we've had as a as a family. So we brought, uh, we had our third baby right before we left for China. So she was about six weeks old, but when we moved there Um, and then we had our fourth child right before we moved back from China. And our family still references that that moment or that five years as some of the best years of of our life. We thoroughly loved the culture. We loved the people and the experiences. Um, So I was at an international school. Um, So we have 12 schools associated with international schools uh, consortium. And uh, we were one of 12. And uh, so you had to have a passport to be in our school. Uh, but you obviously lived in community and in a beautiful marriage with the people around you, in the community around you. And I would say as an educator, there's probably no greater experience than that, where you are in a classroom teaching literature with kids from literally all over the world. Uh, and we're wrestling with these ideas that maybe as a Westerner or just as a person, you kind of grow up as like these foundational truths. But then suddenly you're in a room full of people who are like, well, that's not how I think, or that's not how I was raised, or that's not what my country thinks. And so you have to every single day wrestle with um, how to um, be accommodating to other perspectives, how to be open to different perspectives. And suddenly you have to wrestle with, okay, this was something that I thought was was hard truth and it's not so much anymore. So what am I going to do about it? Am I going to dig my heels in and kind of, draw a line between me and you, or are we going to find a common truth together that we can coexist in, and live in some beautiful harmony? So it was pretty fantastic.
0: And I can only imagine what, what that had to be like. And, you know, as I was listening to you talk, Brian, what it, what it made me think of, especially when you're, you're talking about being accommodating, being open, being willing to listen, you know, uh, to, to those other perspectives. How has that experience impacted you as a leader Uh, to me it it would it would feel like as a leader we have to be that way we can't always just have our own opinion so i'm curious is that an experience or something that you can draw on as a leader that helps you um, lead in your school now or even in in the schools that you've led before
1: absolutely and that doesn't mean that i'm perfect but in any way, right? So I still make a ton of mistakes when it comes to arrogance or when it comes to making a decision that's very uh, close-minded. But I think what the, the initial roots of the experience taught me and forced me to do is, even now as a principal, when I sit into a room, you have a teacher with their perspective and their, their kind of uh, expectations of this is non-negotiable. Uh, but then you have a parent sitting in there with kind of their expectations and their perspective of non-negotiable a student as well, and then you add in stakeholders and you add in, you know, all the different components of how do we make a decision that kind of, you know, doesn't make everybody happy, but at least acknowledges all sides. Um, and, and that's education and that's that's leadership, right? You have to, we're gonna make the right decision, we're gonna make the ethical decision, but we also wanna do it in such a way that welcomes a variety of perspectives and that forces us to say, you know what, this is what I believe and this is the the, the truth or the understanding that I have now, but I could be wrong. And so how am I wrong? Show me how I'm wrong and how can we work together? Uh, I think that is that is essential and positive and powerful leadership.
0: How do you take that, though? I agree with you 100%. How do you take that and instill that in the people around you? I mean, it's one thing for you as the leader to sit at a table as a decision is being made, or as as a a, maybe a contentious meeting is happening with, you know, a parent and a teacher and a a student. Um, Because let's let's face it, those things happen when when we're in school leader roles. But how do you instill that? Or maybe that's something I know you're just in the second year in this particular building. How do you go about trying to instill that in the people that you are asked to lead?
1: I think we have to live it out first and foremost uh, and living it out does mean making a ton of mistakes. Uh, and it means when we make those mistakes, we acknowledge it with those that we have failed or those that we have come up short with. Um, Patrick Lincioni, uh, a gentleman that I truly appreciate. He's in the, the business world and leadership. Uh, he says the one of the key components of leadership is communicate, communicate, communicate. And so if our message is going to be one of empathy, if it's going to be one of, um, allowing different perspectives and that we're all gonna have a seat at this table. Not only do we talk about it in in meetings, not only do we talk about it in emails, we talk about it in one-on-one conversations, we live it out. And so there has to be a consistency in all of those areas that we are living out this radical truth of, listen, when you come into a room, we're all gonna be listening to each other and listening with the intent to understand another perspective. And not just understand it, but I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make a decision that allows you to be heard. I'm going to make a decision that maybe not uh, always fits my idea of, of the situation, but it fits our idea and it, and if it it's what you need in your situation. So that just comes over time. We can talk about it. I can send a couple of emails. I can even give a, a pretty fantastic PowerPoint presentation. But if I'm not living it out yeah. pretty consistently, then it doesn't mean anything.
0: So I'm curious then, um, maybe I, I just I, I just want to chase this just a little bit further. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe you've had a situation or, or something, and you don't have to talk about the situation itself, but maybe one of those situations where maybe the teacher was wrong. You know, that happens sometimes. I mean, we always want to back our teachers, but we know, I mean, we're human beings. I mean, you've said it yourself. Yeah. You make mistakes. I I made more than my fair share of mistakes as, as a principal, as a superintendent, you know, that type of thing. But what does that conversation look like, or, or maybe how do you approach those conversations when, okay, maybe this didn't go the way we wanted it to, and now here's an opportunity to coach this teacher or, you know, assistant principal or something like that, to kind of help move them in that direction. Maybe
1: maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a great question, and uh, I have a couple of different obviously examples in my head, but I want to, for now, speak too specifically, um, just for the the teacher's sakes. But there's this is, this is to me, the crux of, of leadership is that we become incredibly vulnerable, uh, that we walk into a hard conversation. Uh, there's definitely times where, um, you know, me and a teacher kind of meet before a parent comes in and we kind of come up with a game plan and then we sit in front of the parent and what they share kind of derails our initial plan because there's some information that we're getting of like, oh, this is very different. And so kind of in the moment now, um, I'm going to have to pivot a little bit from what I almost kind of agreed with the teacher. And then we go afterwards and there's been times where teachers are frustrated with me. um, And we have to kind of have this very open discussion of this is, this is what's best for the kid. And I, we have to allow uh, teachers to be upset. Um, There's a phrase that I like to use of don't take it personal, but make it personal. Right? So if a teacher is upset, uh, I'm not going to be, take it personal that she's upset or he's upset with me. Uh, they're just upset that this is not going to plan or it's going to cause them, I'm asking them to do something that's outside their norm or outside their comfort zone. Uh, but when we can kind of wrestle with that and I can allow them to be frustrated and I make it personal where I'm going to do something about it, I'm going to try and hear their side. I'm going to try to appease their wants and desires. I'm going to affirm that they're, yeah, your frustrations are valid. I get it. Um, but if we're in the business of educating children and parents, If we're in the business of caring for people then this is what's best for that child we have to make this decision even if it's uncomfortable and i have to do that as well so even when maybe a teacher comes to me and they want to do something uh, they want to pursue uh whatever it might be I have to live that out as well. I have to show that I'm willing to to kind of drop some of my maybe non-negotiables. I have to drop some of my desires and say, you know what, I'm going to choose you over this thing. I'm going to choose you over this decision, uh, over this rule, because in this situation, with this person, this is what's best. And so I know I'm still kind of being a little bit vague. Uh, and I mean, No, it's, it's all right. Uh, but I, I think it just it, it comes down to just vulnerable conversations and it comes down to a willingness that, Um, We, too, are able to change our perspectives. We, too, are able to change um, our desires for what's best for the person, whether it be a teacher, uh, a student or a parent. And if we live that out in front of our teachers vulnerably, uh, then when we ask it of them, I think it's swallowed a little easier.
0: I think that's that's the key right there
1: is it starts with
0: us. You know, there's there's very little that we can control. Yeah, we we can't control the behavior of other adults. We certainly can't behave or control the behavior of our kids nor their parents, but we can control our own. We can control the decisions that we make. And if we model you said it several times, both both overtly and and you know, kind of subcontextually, that, you know, if I model this, if I lead what I want to see, then that's that's how I'm gonna get where I want to be. And and it takes me yeah. it takes me into another question that I've been wanting to ask you, because I've I've seen you talk about this um, on social media. So full disclosure, folks, this is the first time Brian and I actually get to meet we've been connected on social media for quite some time. And I, I love some of the stuff that you uh, that you share. I shouldn't say some. I love all the stuff that you share. Um, yeah, I know that, that kind of sounded like, well, some of that stuff. I don't know. But no. That was great. Yeah, no, I love all the stuff you share. But but specifically where I want to go with this question is is this push, this belief around doing great things. And and for you, great isn't just the word great. There's a little more to that. Can you, can you talk about doing great things and how that impacts the people around you?
1: yeah uh so it kind of was birthed from a conversation um with a guy down in texas named jeff springer um he's a you might have seen him on on social media he's a great retired educator um and he's just incredibly inspiring and encouraging and him and i kind of chat every now and then and i had this phrase do great things it's how i end every morning announcement and he began to challenge "Well, what does that mean make that tangible right and so um, I think educators walk into this profession wanting to inspire people. They want to change lives. They want to make a difference. And then kind of to steal that Mike Tyson quote, everyone has a great plan until they get punched in the mouth. And educators come to school every day with a great plan until it's just hard. And then it's like, what, like things begin to crumble. And these, these lesson plans crumble and these ideas of the, the day begin to crumble or the the semester. And so great things was kind of for my own sanity of When I'm in crisis or when I don't really know what to do, what does great mean? And so I've broken it down in, uh, you give whatever you have, the gifts and talents that you have, you give to the people around you, Uh, you relate. So sometimes when we are in crisis or when we're afraid, we begin to insulate ourselves and we begin to get protective. But if I can always step out and try to relate to a teacher, relate to a student into their situation, uh, I can give more, I can give appropriately. So give, relate, explore, We're always exploring ideas and new ways to tackle a problem, analyze, analyze ourselves, especially our habits and our decision making, and then uh, try. And I know try kind of has like this, you know, Yoda, very much Yoda, don't try, but do. Um, (laughs) But I really believe that trying is the manifestation of hope. When we stop trying, it's because we no longer have hope. And so we want to try well. And when we fail or succeed, we want to continue to try well or to try different ways. Um, But trying to me is... It's a critical component to success and that we're always willing to step into a new situation and at least try because that we have hope that we can change the situation or to accomplish something great.
0: Well, I love that because without without being willing to try, I mean, all of those are, are wonderful. I'm going to just jump right on that last one. If you're willing to try, that means you're willing to take a chance, which means that you're working in an environment that allows you to take a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, to me one one of the most important things in in leadership and I think they're really truly great leaders really uh, don't just create this but they i don't know they embody the willingness to let people take risk and and let people know that hey take a risk you know don't don't fear reprisal if mm-hmm. if you try something and it works great and if if you try something it doesn't well okay, quit doing it try something else but yeah. And to me, when I hear you talk about try, yes, the Yoda quote came to mind. But more importantly, it's just this: hey, we have to be willing to take risk. I mean, yeah. if if we're not willing to let our people take risk, and if we're not willing to take risk, we never get better, right? I mean, that's yeah. that that's how I think about it.
1: Yeah, and I, I would piggyback off that. So obviously, if you're trying, you have hope. But I think it's symptomatic of a healthy relate or a healthy community as well, because. Uh, If people are afraid of gossip, if they're afraid of being kind of picked apart by their failure or whatever, they stop trying, right? The danger of closing your door and existing in your classroom, this is all I'm going to do because it's safe. Uh, That's not a very healthy culture to to work in. And so if your teachers and your administrators and your support staff, if they're trying new things all the time, to me, that's also symbolic of a healthy culture because no one's afraid of the backlash. Um, or at least the, the backlash isn't overwhelming to the to the support and the encouragement and the joy that they'll get from trying. This
0: podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So. Brian, let's let's go in a little bit different direction here and let's talk just a little bit about principal evaluation. Because it was one of the things, honestly, that kind of kind of sparked me reaching out and saying, you know, man, I really want to have you on the podcast. Uh, you had shared a post not too long ago about principal evaluation, about some of your perceptions and, and some of your feelings around principal evaluation. So let's 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 start kind of there and let's see where this conversation takes us
1: sure um i am passionate about talking about this and and i can go in a lot of directions mostly of which um some paths that i took initially that weren't great um and and we're kind of maybe give some some examples or some way ways in which we can do that is healthy for us as individuals but also for our staff but um i developed this initially as a teacher where i was in a culture where i didn't really feel like the evaluations i was getting from my ad- administrators they were okay, right? They're pretty typical, but I didn't feel like they were all that beneficial, largely because if they weren't in my class all the time, the feedback I was getting, I felt like was was shallow and I was really striving to be a great teacher. So I started at first with my students and, um, and it's tough, man. And anytime you're getting a, an evaluation, it's tough. Uh, when this one was coming back in my most recent staff evaluation, one of my staff members said, are you nervous? And I'm like, I'm not nervous, but no one likes to be told that they're imperfect, right? So, Uh, It's always uncomfortable. Um, But I started with my students. And so probably then eight years now, I've been trying to do an evaluation. And then when I became a principal five, six years ago, um, I felt like it was important, because if I want to lead my staff, which is you need to take criticism, you need to always be positive mindset, you need to be growth mindset. If I'm going to encourage my staff to do that, I need, most importantly, need to lead by example. And the best way I can lead by example is to put myself on the hot seat and let myself be critiqued and then present that to the staff because um, no one likes to be told that they're wrong and no one likes to be told that they can do better. But if I can stand in front of my staff and say, here's where you said I'm wrong and here's where you said I can do better, I believe and I've seen that that opens the door that when I am asking them to be better, they know I'm not asking them to do something I'm not doing myself. Um, and so, and even uh, I would say the same truth applies from, I have quality um, superintendents who I trust as men and women of integrity, and they, they challenge me when I'm wrong and they encourage me to be better, but they're not in my building every day. They don't see me in the hallways. They don't see me interacting with right. kids every day. They don't see me at my worst and at my best. So, if I truly want to get better as a leader, I need those whom I'm leading who know me the most to give me a true evaluation.
0: Yeah, I think that's just that's just so important there. It, it it is not something that I had the opportunity to participate in any kind of a three hundred and sixty degree evaluation either as a principal or as a superintendent. Um, in fact, you and I were talking a little bit before uh, before we hit the record button that you know for me, I never felt like I had an evaluation that really was of, of quality. And, and a lot of it was for those same reasons, you know, whether it was, you know, as a building principal, my superintendent was not in my building every day. And so, you know, they weren't with me. I, I like how you said it, you know, to see me at my best and to see me at my worst, you know, where, you know, the staff and the students were right there and had that opportunity to to experience, you know, the highs, the lows and everything you know yeah. that goes in between and you know actually what it, what it kind of takes me to is a little bit of just that realization that as a leader sometimes we forget they're always watching and <laughs> you know you know it, both in positive ways and in negative ways right yeah. but I mean they're always watching and no. you know some of the things that we may not think of or remember may very well come up in that 360 degree evaluation where it's you know hey Mr. Miller do you remember mm-hmm. this situation and for mm-hmm. you it might have just been a just another day mm-hmm. but for them it was something that stuck so negative
1: or positive what, what, Yeah absolutely right Like for me it might have just been an interaction a comment that I was that I made as I'm running down the hall but that stuck daggers into their mind and heart and they haven't right. stopped thinking about it since. And so it's just a reminder to me of, you know, be cautious with my words or when they come to me and say, Hey, you said this last year and I've been thinking about it ever since. And you see maybe that quote written on the wall and you realize, okay, it's my words matter positive and negative. I need to be very yeah. pur- purposeful and conscious of what I say and how I act because you're right. We are always on a stage.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, Joe Sanfilippo says it really well. Um, and, and I'm sure I'm, I'll, not necessarily get the quote exactly right, but what what Joe says is that we don't get to decide which interaction people remember us for., yes. you know, so so we do have to be very intentional and be very mindful of, of the things that we do. And I think that definitely helps tie in with with the principal evaluation stuff, you know, whether whether it's as a classroom teacher and you're doing something three hundred and sixty degrees with with your students, where, yeah, you, it's the same kind of thing. You know, your students live live on every word you say, whether you realize it or not. And then, as a principal, that's that's probably true as well with your yeah. staff. You, you'll say something in a staff meeting, not think anything of it, and that just became something somebody's going to hang on to again, positively yeah. or negatively. What what are yeah. some of the things that that as you've been working on and, and modifying and just continuing to grow this process that you've
1: learned along the
0: way about what really works for hmm. feedback?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, I think the thing that I've learned through a ton of failure is how to protect everybody involved. Uh, and I mean, protect the staff, but I also mean protect myself. Uh, and so one of the examples that I have as a failure, um, when I first started doing this, I was in a small town, um, I would give out the evaluations and I'd get them back. And obviously I'd go through them and I'd read them and and I, you can go through the tally marks. So, okay, I get an average of four or three on this question, but there's always room for comments. And if they hand wrote them, unintentionally I can kind of even if they typed them out, I can kind of, if I wanted to specifically, but even if I didn't want to, I could figure out who wrote what, right? English teachers tend to write right. differently than the science teachers, right? That's very true. Uh, and so there was, uh, there was this fear from some that I would try and catch you. So they didn't feel very safe. So then the, the evaluation isn't very accurate, right? So if some people feel afraid by it. They're not going to give you honest feedback. And so then you're getting this warped reality of, of how you're doing or how the building is doing. Um, and so, and then also, when I get the 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 evaluations, the first couple of times I'd read them through, and I would fixate on the negatives and I'd get really discouraged. And so my first branch out in terms of fix, fixing that problem was I gave it to a buddy of mine. He's kind of a father figure. Um, he lives on the East Coast far away. And he was able to come back and he he said, you know, really strong evaluation. You have a mole in your staff. You have somebody who's a negative Nancy, uh, but, you have strong evaluation. So that was beneficial for me to, for him to kind of see the big picture. Where this really took form, um, that I now thoroughly enjoy it, and it's really healthy, is one of my current uh, superintendents, uh, Lance Boyd. Uh, I was sharing with him my evaluation and how I kind of go through it. And he said, yeah, I did one too. And what I would do is I'd have my leadership team read it. I would never read it. My leadership team read it and they came up with themes. And then they told me what it was and what that provided was a layer of protection to my staff, because now they know I'm never going to read it. So I can't decipher who's saying what, so they can be a little bit more honest. Yeah. But it also, the my leadership team, they are able to kind of look at the, the negative comments and say, well, that's just one person. So maybe we'll mention it, but it's not the thread. It's not the theme of his evaluation. The theme of his evaluation is, and they are tasked with giving me like What are one or two things I do well that I need to keep doing? But really importantly, what are like three specific things that I need to work on? So now I get a very tangible evaluation of your staff wants you, like for this most recent one, they feel like sometimes you have a conversation and you can't follow through on it. You forget it by the time you get to your office or whatever. That's a very real struggle and frustration with my teachers that I'm able to hear holistically. I can't pin it on any teacher. Um, There's protection between us, but I can now present it to my staff and saying, yeah, this is a problem. I'm not very good at this for a variety of reasons, and me and my leadership team, we're going to sit here and work on it and come up with a solution. One of them being, when I leave your classroom, I leave that discussion, send me a text, send me an email, because by the time I get to my office, I'm going to have five or six other interactions, and I'm going to forget it. But if you send me a quick email, I won't forget it. So now they feel heard, they feel protected, I'm getting better, we're finding solutions as a school, um, and, I, and I, I honestly, I enjoy them. I don't like being told that I'm imperfect, but I enjoy them because I'm getting better. And I think my staff feels safer.
0: well, I think I think all of that is true. And then I would add to it, your staff doesn't only feel, you know feel safe, and you also mentioned that they feel heard, but they feel trusted. and that yeah. that is just going to continue to grow and and enhance the level of trust between you and your staff. And I would think you know for your superintendent as well, you know, um, listening to you talk about about his element there and having the leadership team you know, read all of that, I think is really powerful. It it actually took me down a couple of rabbit holes in my own mind, having been a superintendent. And I, I think I told you this before we hit record. I, I think I've been on the job about a month and my board said, Hey, um, we don't like the evaluation tool. Will you create your own evaluation tool? Mm. And, you know, I mean, yeah, okay. I've been a superintendent for like, you know, five hot minutes here. Sure. <laughs> okay. I'll build an evaluation tool. And, you know, looking back on it, I think there are some elements that were good. You know, I was able to, to draw draw from a lot of people to to pull some th- things in, but there were some things that really weren't that great. And I didn't necessarily get the feedback that I probably needed. And so I'm, I'm actually going somewhere with this. I think for your superintendent to to have the leadership team be able to read all that, but then also give that synopsis to the board as opposed to, you know, the board may very well fixate mm-hmm. on one thing on there where the leadership team, they're in all the buildings. Again, back mm-hmm. to the, you know, you see you see the best, you see the worst, you see everything in between. Yeah. I think that probably helps him in yeah. terms of, again, the trust and the communication back and forth yeah. between, between the board I, I I mean maybe he shared that with you Maybe he hasn't uh, maybe you know just no he has it is a,
1: a part of this process that I think is important and um, not only can you provide it to your principal, to your superintendent right your leader and saying here's what my staff says I'm also again extending an olive branch of Of trust and an openness with my superintendent, which I think is important. Uh, But also now, when they come, I can say, "Hey, they say this about me—positive and negative." Can you be mindful of this when you come in my building? It gives them some direction; they can kind of speak into it. Oh yeah. But here is one component that I would that I would offer, Um, and I need to preview it with a small story. Um, If your goal is to be applauded, don't do this, right? (laughs) Like if that's what you want is just to be, to hear how great you are, don't do it. Because you'll find some positives for sure. But you're going to hear more than not where you're not great. But something that I think is important in this, if you do have a superintendent or if you do have a, a principal, if you're a teacher, that you don't fully trust, whether it be their integrity or their assessment of you. This is actually a way to protect a little bit yourself where you can have a board member that comes to you and says, hey, uh, I'm hearing that, you know, this is the kind of teacher you are. Well, actually, if you look at my students in my evaluation over the past three or four semesters, this is the storyline that I'm getting. Right. It gives you some data on your own um, that you can kind of use if you have somebody that you don't trust that's above you. So that's not like why I'm doing it. And I I don't need it for that reason. But as I've walked through this and I've interacted with because you're right, I sent it out on social media. When people come back to me and ask for the my example, this is actually one of the conversations that we dive into. I have a superintendent, I have a principal. Their evaluations of me, I don't feel like are accurate. They want something tangible that they can use as somewhat of a defense.
0: I think that's super important too. And again, it it, it takes us to a place back to our conversation about trying. You know, it takes us to a place where where there's a culture that is genuinely focused on trying to get better as mm-hmm. opposed to just catching them doing it wrong. Let's focus on how do we get better? Whether that's me as the principal superintendent classroom teacher, it doesn't matter. And I would think too, that it's an opportunity then, you know, I remember my, my board asking me a couple of different times, you know, how can we help you grow as a leader? Well, with mm-hmm. that kind of information, that'd been very helpful, you know, Hey, as far as developing my own professional growth plan, I can go right to that if I were to have that type of data. So I would think that helps you drive
1: decisions around professional development in your building as well, right? Absolutely. Uh, as if you're a leader who wants to do great things and wants to change your culture of your school or lead your 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 school to great places, you probably have two dozen things on a whiteboard of ideas and things you want to chase. But when you do an evaluation, what it does is it kind of says this is where your staff says they're needed. Right. Like, so it delineates some of that into like two or three things. OK, I got to focus on this first. These are the things. These are important. We're going to talk about them. But if I want to move my staff, they need to feel heard and safe. And the greatest way to do that is to say, how can I be better? They give me a they give me um, a topic or they give me a skill that I need to improve on. And if I'm working on it instantly, then they're like, yeah, good. We feel heard. We feel safe. He's improving himself. We're going to improve ourselves. And I think it just it can be uh, a springboard for movement.
0: Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. So so let's go to uh, the final question that I ask everybody here on on the podcast. Um, So, Brian, tell me how right now are you leaning into leadership?
1: It's a great question, and I'm kind of doing it in, in two different ways. Um, again, I feel very strongly that if I want to encourage my staff to constantly think differently, to challenge their status quo or their their comfort zones, that I need to be leading by example. And so this past year, I've kind of delved into a couple of things that are outside my wheelhouse uh, that are challenging me to think and to grow. One of them being, uh, much like yourself, uh, a buddy of mine, we started a podcast that we just want to take a topic to the table uh, that's dealing with education and culture, and we're going to wrestle with it in real time, and And it's a great brainstorming professional development opportunity for us to just kind of think out loud and wrestle with ideas. So I feel like I'm trying to step out, I'm doing like these little uh, weekly or biweekly or daily videos of just, here's a thought that stuck with me today that I want to cement. And what that does is, I don't know how you are, but I can have an idea, and I think it's great in my head, um, and then it kind of gets forgotten. But if I have to say it in such a way that people are gonna be watching it, I have to be very conscientious of, of crystallizing that idea. And when I do that, I feel like I can use it better. Um, and so those are two ways that I'm kind of stepping out and trying to lead by example and in challenge my own comfort levels. But then I also, leaning into leadership sometimes for me is taking a step back um, and just being more aware, being more patient of receiving information from my staff, my school, my community, and not feeling like I have to fix it in the next five minutes, uh, that I'm going to seek a different perspective. I'm going to rest on it. Be purposeful of, hey, I love this idea. Let me get back to you maybe tomorrow or in a couple of days. That's not really my personality. Uh, And so for me, gaining that muscle of leadership, of being patient and finding the best option, not the quickest, uh, is, is something I need to be working on. I'm trying to. So.
0: It's fantastic. I mean, it's that I think also you know kind of ties in with you know you take a look at at how long now you've been you know in the leadership roles you know as you continue uh, all of us this is true as we mature and we continue to grow as leaders that's really the sign of a great leader the more we're willing to be patient with making a decision as opposed to just you know give me an answer give me an answer give me an answer Um, you know it actually makes me think back you know to some early times of my career where. You know, you might think that an answer needs to come right away from, you know, your principal or your superintendent or whatever. And the truth is, when they take a little bit of time, it's not necessarily a quick answer, but it's going to be the right answer. And it's going to be a quality answer. So I really appreciate that you share that because, you know, we have so many early career leaders that are listening to the podcast. That's just such an amazing tip right there to be patient and just slow the game down just a little bit, you know, that's, I'm sure that's something also that that helps just build that trust with your staff as well, that they know, even though it's not going to be a quick answer, they know it's going to be a good answer.
1: When he gives an answer, they can trust that I'm not going to change it the next day because now I've had time to think about it and I have a better answer. Um, And again, I'm imperfect with this, right? There's still times that I jump, I jump in the deep end right away and then try and figure out how to swim. Uh, But that's, that's, I think for me is a is a task, and that's kind of what I've received in evaluations even over the years. It's it's one of my my weaknesses that I'm always trying to exercise is just uh, be patient. Don't react to the first information that you hear. Let's kind of get a collective. What's all happening? What are all the perspectives? What's all the best options? And then let's make a decision. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's
0: awesome. Big gold nugget of leadership right there. So uh, Brian, just one, one final thing then. So for my listeners who just really want to connect with you, they want to check out those those daily videos you're doing, they want to check out the podcast, or they just simply want to grab some time with you and say, hey, talk a little bit more about this evaluation stuff with me. How do people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, there's a, a number of different ways. I'm on Facebook, Brian T. Miller, and I pretty much follow anybody who has a passion for life and living. Uh, and that's where I post a lot of my things. Um, you can also find me at MillerBrian.com. Uh, I try my best to on Fridays, just kind of write a little write up of, of the week, uh, just called the Friday Thought. And then I just oftentimes just throw a bunch of stuff on there of videos that I've enjoyed, books that I've enjoyed, ideas that I'm wrestling with, whatever it might be. Um, but then I'm on Twitter, uh, Brian underscore Miller underscore. Um, and again, it's just a way that I can kind of share the same ideas that you'll find on those other platforms. Um, but if you don't mind, uh, Mr. Pepper, I'll just kind of give a little plug. Uh, Shirts and Ties is the podcast that we've started. Um, and it's yeah, if you just want to listen to two guys think out loud. Uh, he's an educator leader down in Wyoming. Um, this is what it is. So if you don't mind me plugging. Plug in on your podcast, my own. Absolutely, uh, yeah. We'd love to hear 100%. your thoughts. Hundred percent,
0: awesome. I yeah. will be tuning into shirts and ties, and <laughs> I will also i'll take I'll take it one step further. I will hyperlink everything that you just said in the show notes. So anything you want to do as far as connecting with Brian Miller, you will have the opportunity, folks. Brian, thank you so much for joining me here on the Leading into Leadership podcast. Nobody will ever know the struggles you and I had to get this episode done, except for the two of us, <laughs> and it was worth every. Every single second, man. I appreciate you.
1: Uh, Mr. Peppard, man, I've I've admired you from a distance, uh, and so I truly appreciate an opportunity to chat with you, and thank you for having me.
0: As always, another incredible conversation here on the Leading Into Leadership podcast, and thank you to Brian Miller for coming on the show. Let me hit a few of the highlights from that particular conversation. I love how Brian talked about making sure that he is getting the views and perspectives from all angles. Um, you know, the great leaders are going to be those ones who are willing to truly listen, not not just listen to respond, but listen to understand, to empathize, and uh, to really get clarity around what is happening around them. And you have to listen to all angles in order for that to happen. I love how Brian talked about the radical truth. There were so many elements around the radical truth there in the middle part of the episode. you um, really appreciated so much him talking about a culture where trying is encouraged. So often, I think, in our profession... We get caught up in this is the way it needs to be, and because we've been through specific professional development, we must use these only in our classroom, or or things have to be done a certain way. We want to give our teachers the opportunity to feel like they can take risk. If they feel like they can take risk, our students are going to feel like they can take risk. So absolutely love that he talked about school culture there and how important it is to allow for trust to take place in the classroom. What a great conversation. I truly appreciate Brian being on. Make sure you check out all those links that are down in the show notes and even check out his podcast, Shirts and Ties. And now it's time for a pep talk. In today's pep talk, I just want to circle right back to what Brian talked about with principal evaluation. And if you're really thinking about Having that 360-degree view where people are able to give you the feedback, I want to point out a couple of things that he said, and I think this is something as leaders we need to be really mindful of. Brian said, don't just do something like this if you think you only want to be applauded. You have to be willing to accept that critical feedback. You have to be willing to grow. And if you're a leader who wants to do great things in your school, that's what you have to be willing to do. When you're out there this week, when you're working with your people, make sure that you're truly listening, that you're really gathering all of the different perspectives and angles around any particular given issue. Great leaders are going to be great listeners. And great leaders are also going to promote a culture where we can all grow and continue to improve, not where we have to be perfect and only get better from there. Ask yourself, am I willing to listen to others? And am I really willing to grow myself to continue to be a better leader for the people around me? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Leaning Into Leadership Podcast. Have a Road to Awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.